either. I wish I had a fucking You wish you had what? Nothing. (laughs) 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 Will you count me in? Uh, I one, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war. Welcome to Art Poppin' Bottles. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Kayla Mason Garvin. Hi, my name is Justin Ganaway. And we are both students at a prestigious Midwestern University. So prestigious. Such prestige. It's incredible. And um, <laughs> together we have formed this podcast where every week we talk about pop music, the current events, and every week we discuss one seminal pop album mm-hmm. um, from tip to toe. <laughs> And uh, we talk about the tracks we like, the tracks we don't like, give it a rating based on boxed wine, and uh, then uh, there's a little surprise at the end. So this is going to be our last episode of 2019. It's Christmas and it's New Year's all wrapped into one. We've got a jumbo app for you. A jumbo app. Um, so this is um, our 15th episode as well. Thank yes. you so much for tuning in with us this year. For the 15 days um, of Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> Follow us on all of the social media f- to see what we're up to in the new year. I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll be back early in 2020 yes. in the new decade. Um, wow. So Justin, what pop star do you feel like this week? Um, I have a lot of finals this week or in, that, in, in the coming weeks and I'm like turning in a lot of projects and stuff and I'm just feeling really dumb. So I feel like Katy Perry. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, I don't know who Van Halen is, so I feel like Billie <laughs> Eilish. <laughs> That was a current event we haven't discussed on oh, here. Oh, we have to talk um, about but that. But I guess we can, we, we're moving right into current events. So this past week, I believe, uh, Billie Eilish gave this interview where this, like, I don't know, this older sort of, like, white dude was like, you don't know who Van Halen is? And then sort of the internet exploded. Thoughts on this episode? I don't care. Like, I don't care if Billie Eilish knows who Van Halen is. She does not need Van Halen as a reference. Like, they're, like, especially, like, we're going to talk about it in this episode. There's such a rich history of incredible, like, female pop music stars that like and that she has directly or indirectly referenced like for me Billie Eilish does not need a literacy in Van Halen to be an incredible artist and that's how I feel I mean frankly I know who Van Halen is but like what also what do they sing I don't know who Van Halen is like I've heard the name but I don't know their songs and they're like "Ah, what um I'm looking to Cam because I Cameron can you Okay. Uh, the name of a song? Of any, any Van Halen song. The do, name of any Van Halen song. Do they paint song. their faces? Or are they no, that? that's Kiss. Damn. <laughs> We're just going to go through and alienate all of our like older white listeners, of which I don't think we have any. None. Um, so, uh, uh, let's see. They're Van not Halen ACDC. Sings, don't, they sing, don't, they, don't they sing... Um, oh, God, I keep conflating I them love with rock and, and roll? No. That's Joan Jett. Oh, yeah. That's um, I don't really know like two or three of their songs. I don't know. Do they anything. sing? No, that's Guns N' Roses. I keep thinking of Guns N' Roses and all, songs. And they're all just like guitar songs. Um, the ones that I know. D- d- are there titles that we would recognize? Yeah, like which one? Jump. Yeah. Jump? Eruption. Like Jump for My Love? No. Yeah. Crisscross will make you jump. I don't know if I know that song. I don't know that song either. I don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> We're Mariah Carey. That's what pop stars we feel like this week. Oh, I do know. That's dun, Jump. Dun, 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 I thought that's Jump for My Love. But, oh, is, is that a lot? Yeah, this is Van Halen. This seems very tame for Van Halen. What do they look like? I always thought this was fucking Long, like George Michael. 
I don't know who this is. They're wearing green, though. <laughs> okay, well, um, I don't know who cancel Ken us. Or we don't Van know Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next item that we have for current events is Taylor Swift has just released a Christmas song entitled uh. Christmas Tree Farm. She also dropped a video to go with it with um, the prologue in black and white with her riding in the back seat of a car, perhaps a getaway car. <laughs> and then <laughs> then she goes, we see videos from like 1989 yeah. to like 1993 or something <laughs> as she sort of grows as a young Aryan child <laughs> in the Pennsylvania countryside. What did you think of this video? I'm actually, okay, I want to preface this with again, I don't hate Taylor Swift but uh, <laughs> this song could have been good. She actually did grow up on a Christmas tree farm. Like, <laughs> she has the knowledge to back it up. She has, the, like, this is, she's writing from her truth, but it was, like, it was innocuous. The song itself, I couldn't tell you one of the lyrics. There's a tr Christmas tree farm in my heart. The lights turn on in the barn and someone, and then she rhymes barn with come in. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cummin is like a kind of tractor or something. I know that from growing up in Stratford. Um, <laughs> I think she meant like the verb come in, like come inside. Well, there's a, like a like a, a brand called Cummins, and mm. yeah, I don't know tractors. Tractors. Uh, I mean, on a Christmas tree farm. The, it was bad. the The music video was kind of fun because we saw her as a baby fall a couple times, which. <laughs> I found to be pleasant, but at the end of the day, I didn't like it. Um, I thought it was fine. You know, I I have, I will say I have pretty low standards for Christmas songs, and mm. I actually will say that I think this song is funny, and in like a year, we're all going to be bopping to it. I don't <laughs> think it's, I don't think it's good, but um, it's also kind of fun, and I don't think that it's yeah I don't think it's gonna it's a great Christmas song but we get so few Christmas originals and uh here we have one that's like fine you know it's fine I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> the next item that we want to discuss is uh Lizzo went to a basketball game I yes. believe it was a Timberwolves game a Minnesota Timberwolves game mm -hmm. and so she showed up um and there was a big hullabaloo on the internet because at the I think at some point they had, you know, sort of turned the camera on her. You know how they display it on the Jumbotron? Yeah. And so she, like, turned around and started twerking, and <laughs> she was wearing this dress um, that's sort of like a black t-shirt dress, but with a huge sort of, like, hole cut out <laughs> around her butt. Um, thoughts on this look, this moment, this internet sensation? I think she looks great. Like, I truly think she looks beat. great. In these images, she, her face, everything looks right. Like, she looks so good. Absolutely. Well, because you know you have to look good in those awful basketball light cues. Absolutely. Uh, and you know that you're going to be photographed. Like, yeah. There's no tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, I think she looks great. You know this dress had to be custom because she had to, like, tell them exactly where she wanted the hole to be. <laughs> um, but also, like... You know, I don't have a problem with it. I know people were sort of angry, but I am worried. Like, did she put a towel down when mm. she sat on the... That's my biggest thing with the dress. But other than that, incredible. Maybe she, like, hiked it out so her bottom was covered. I don't know. Maybe yeah. she just let it all be on the seat and, like, someone's going to disinfect this later. <laughs> um, I I think it's hilarious. Like, I think this dress is funny. I think she fully knew she would be photographed. I think she fully knew that it was going to, like, be a thing. Um, I do think that, like, people on the internet say, like, horrible things about her. So, like, I get the, the want to, like, sort of, like, rush and protect her internet-wise. But I also think, like... 
Uh, she knew what she was doing. Like oh, this yeah. is cu- like this is a cute moment for her, actually. You know, like yeah. um, so. I think it. Um, I think it's great. I think she knew she would make headlines, and she fucking did. I have to say, like on the list of things, people that I don't know, it goes Van Halen, the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> and then also Kim Petras. But like, I just, <laughs> I did not know who the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves were until Lizzo wore a, a like a butthole dress to thank their. God, Lizzo, she thank did. God. She <laughs> um, so today we have a holiday miracle for you. We are today for our last episode of the decade yeah. in um, telling you uh, our thoughts on not one but two albums. Mm-hmm. So buckle in. It's going to be festive. It's going to be fun. Um, the first episode uh, or album rather that we have coming up is uh, One Wish by Whitney Houston herself mm-hmm. released in November 2003. Uh, Justin, where were you when this album was dropped mm, um november 2003 well then i would have been um a third grader attending Stratford elementary school my teacher's name was mrs hunton she was actually my favorite teacher of any of the grade schools um because you know if when i think back to her now she's sort of like a drag queen because she wore these really festive earrings every single day <laughs> <laughs> and it was a different earring every day and it was always a statement earring and she had this like straight brown hair i loved her hi mrs hunton you'll never listen to this hey <laughs> Where were you? Um, I was in middle school. This would have been my, I guess I would have been in eighth grade. And uh, eighth grade, seventh grade, somewhere around there. I actually had this sort of like related... story which is sort during those years my junior high would put on this huge thing called the holiday fair and everyone you would have to register a booth um and you would like sell whatever craft you wanted to make Mm -hmm. and you know some people got really fancy and like beautiful with it some people like you know teamed up with their friends and did things and I feel like I at this point like really wanted to make some cash and was just like doing things like doing like shitty crafts by myself <laughs> and like making brownies and be like here everything's 50 cents <laughs> um but i at the time they would like decorate the gym really pretty for it and i had this like fantasy that like there was this guy i had this crush on and that he would be like kayla can i talk to you and then like take me into a dark corner of the gym and like tell me he liked me and then there would be mistletoe above our heads and then he would kiss me and then we would start dating and it was a fully planned out fantasy like but it was right around this time like christmas 2003 when that was like my greatest wishing goal is to have this guy ask me out at the um at the 2003 holiday fair i love how vivid this fantasy is and i also like truly remember having like similar like uh, planned out like this is exactly what's gonna happen right even though there was no chance in hell like this guy was nice (laughs) to me but he did not like me um I, you know, I love a seasonal fantasy, you know, where it's like, it's going to be the Valentine's dance, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I used to make up girlfriends when I was in elementary school. What do you mean? They would, because you know how people had like girlfriends or whatever. And I would like, I would like date and, you know, and then you're just saying like, oh, I'm dating this person and we're passing notes in class and like, that's how we're dating. But like, I never wanted. Oh no, that's real. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, But I never wanted to be single. So in order to make the other girls jealous, I would be like, yeah, I'm dating Tiffany and she's from another school. You wouldn't know her. (laughs) You wouldn't know her. (laughs) Um, So let's get into the tracks for this album. 
Okay, so track number one. Mm-hmm. We have The First Noel. Um, the first Noel. I found this track to be sort of boring, honestly. Um, and this is the one where I was telling you I was listening to the album and like I got through it and then I listened to it again and I did not write a single note about it. It just, the vocals are fine. Her, like, it's clear, it's lovely, but it's not something that I enjoyed. I like this one. They play it on the radio from time to time. I think it's a holiday classic. I do think it's like sort of got slow jam vibes. I don't think it's particularly memorable, but I do feel like, you know, she's giving us like a vocal that truly anyone else would die for. Mm, um, very casually on this kind of bad song. So like, I don't, I don't mind it. I think it's fine. I don't think it's particularly great, but um, I, I like to listen to it. I yeah. do like it. I enjoy it. It did establish like, I thought that we were like, when she had, has it first in the album I was like oh okay so we're doing an R&B thing when she mm. like when it was played and then we, the album continued and I was like okay there's no nope. no <laughs> <laughs> yeah the second song on the album is the Christmas song um parenthetical chestnuts roasting on an open fire um I wrote the my only note that I wrote down in pen about this is the phrasing on this with three exclamation points. <laughs> like she really does some wild phrasing on this song. She does. To me, she sounds incredulous throughout. What do you it. mean incredulous? <laughs> <laughs> There's like, excuse me, a line where she's like, Santa's loaded his sleigh, but like, did he? I don't know. And then like. <laughs> <laughs> like he's coming to town but i'm not sure if he's coming to town like it's like sort of like she's trying to do the whole like have you been good this year kids but it's like Mm. it's really aggressive (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this this song has is the first of like many wild vocals that we're gonna get from her on this album um and some of them work, and I would argue that this one like doesn't fully come together, but it is funny. I mean, it's funny. It's like, super funny. We at at this album's worst, at least we still have Whitney's voice. You know? Yeah. No, like not. There's not a like. There's not a bad vocal going on. I, I do. There get are some confused. nonsensical vocals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and then sort of like sometimes towards the middle of the songs, I'm like, what song am I even listening to at this point? It's just vowels. <laughs> <laughs> it's just vowels. It's like the Christina Aguilera episode uh, uh, album in that way. I keep calling albums episodes. Just wait till we get to the end of this episode. Um, We're getting drunk for Christmas. <laughs> we also have a surprise segment that I forgot to tell you about. We're doing a very special surprise. <laughs> We're on the podcast, so I can't show you what happened, but it's really funny. <laughs> Are we gonna cut this part out? <laughs> Justin's wearing this like beautiful, like white sleeveless <laughs> shell sweater, <laughs> and they just spilled all this red wine on it. Oh, I loved it! Wow, uh, Merry Christmas! Oh, that was great. Festive. Now we're fucking festive. Let's I'm wearing go. Red. Oh my god, red and white like Santa. Yes, um, Santa's okay. on his sleigh. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. That's not the lyric. <laughs> anyway, Santa's loaded and. <laughs> So am I. <laughs> Next um, um, but the, the segment, keep keep listening to the end of the episode because we do have a... <laughs> this, is, this, this is our worst episode of the decade. <laughs> Saving the worst for last. 
Um, we do have a special segment at the end that you're going to want to tune in for. It's going to be an, a decade in review type thing. So listen for that. Yeah. <laughs> Track three on this wild and truly roller coastery album. We have The Little Drummer Boy. Um, I actually can't deal with this song. I fully started crying when it played. Well, because it features Bobby Christina, and then she, yeah. and then Whitney's like, "My baby." And That's I, my baby. I couldn't deal with it. I just started crying. Like, oh, that was oh, funny. It was. It's such a weird song too. Like the ar- arrangement's super weird, and like I think Bobby Christina sounds great. Yeah, I think Whitney absolutely. sounds great. Super weird arrangement. Super <laughs> weird in the wake of their both of their like tragic deaths to have this piece of media out there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, uh, I wrote down, this is too much. Also, I die. Um, <laughs> I yeah, bet. no, it was, it was really intense. <laughs> it was intense, especially like the first two minutes was like it, captivating and then mm. it just like falls the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote, this is messy. Mm. Um, and, and then I wrote, it sounds like an early Pharrell experiment gone awry. Mm, yeah. The, the, when we really get into the drummer boy part of the song, <laughs> It it does go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> it does. Um, it's just percussion. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, it's a drummer boy. What what are you gonna do? He's <laughs> got to play the say? fucking drums. Yeah. Um. So track number four in this album is "One Wish" parenthetical for Christmas. Love. Are you kidding? This Do is, you? It, no, I think it's stupid, but I think it's like stupid in a lovable way. It's true. This, what I wrote is this song is boring, but she is giving it to us. Like <laughs> she's committed to this song in ways that like sometimes when I hear the other songs on this album, I'm like, "Do you understand the lyrics of this song, Whitney? Like do you know what's going on in this song because you're no. giving us like the most beautiful, nonsensical, <laughs> like in and out vocal that has nothing to do with the actual song." And this yes. song I'm like, "Okay, you know what you're singing." About about um i disagree i don't really? think she knows what she's singing about she's i think singing there's about, like peace and love there's and jesus two songs going on here one of it's like very like a kitschy christmas thing and then the other is like a joy love and peace um a sort of like narrative. isn't that the same thing no because she literally sings like even if Santa and his deer get, <laughs> even if Santa and his deer get delayed I'll pray for world peace well yeah that's the same message that's she's not like, the same. no she says it's like a Grinchy message she says on the track she's like it, Christmas is not about presents it's about the like love and joy and peace <laughs> <laughs> to paraphrase Whitney Houston. I don't think she made that connection. Maybe she, she did. did. She says it in the song. She's like, Christmas is not about material. She even says the word material things. She's like, this is this is the time of year for like healing. Okay, okay. okay. I'll give you that. <laughs> but I just don't think that there's a through line in the first or the second verse until she ties it up with the Probably. Bridge. I mean, I have so many notes here about her writers. Like, she really needs better writers. Um, <laughs> song number five, Cantique de Noel, or Oh Holy Night, which is like, why did you call it? Nobody knows it by the name Cantique de Noel. Uh, yeah, I was heard sh- sort of trying to be highbrow, but then, like, the, the songs are not highbrow Christmas. So I just, like, I don't get it. Well, they could could be like sh- this is just such a again such a bad arrangement of the song and particularly mm-hmm. when we look you know that just last week 
um, we were listening to Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas, and I feel like her Oh Holy Night arrangement is like still a little bit simple, but just like so great. Glittery. Um, And this arrangement is so bad. Like, I I could hear Whitney Houston sing Oh Holy Night all day long, but for some reason, this arrangement is just like stifling her. I think that she should have done the whole album a cappella. You know what? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been better. And I wonder too if we, like, we were listening to like just the vocal tracks from this album if it would be more bearable because there are some wild beats on this album too. And I know she was trying to be contemporary and like uh, like yeah, it was stick to her sort of like R&B roots but you know mm. 2003 is not that that's when fucking Crazy in Love was released. You yeah, know? Like this like like album Destiny's does not Child. really sound like 2003 to me. Yeah. Although you know what? So, for next year Destiny's Child Christmas album Album. That's we a are wild taking album. a look. Um, <laughs> Stay an, tuned. Another like super um, like period <laughs> album. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think this this whole arrangement just sort of falls flat to me. There's like an orchestral opening, and then it's sort of just piano with her singing "Oh Holy Night," but not in a great key for her voice. Mm. Not sort of at a great tempo. Like there's so many things wrong with it. It is. Yeah, this whole album is just like uh, a, about slow. a step or two steps too slow. Yeah. Yeah. for this like for her to give us something that we can stay engaged with it, right. it becomes ambiance and right. i don't know if i like it i'll be home for christmas track number six um you know this is one of <laughs> one of my like <laughs> i i again i wrote for i wrote for this one i was like this song becomes ambiance with the production like that's the first time i like thought of that because it's just like it feels like background music it doesn't keep me engaged and it's like she this i think i'll be home for christmas doesn't need a lot of riffs and she's like a riff queen riff queen and i don't but there's a way to do it like tactfully where it like works with the arrangement instead of against it and this one is sort of like again a very very slow arrangement of this song Mm -hmm. with not much like supporting her and a weird beat just because it's there. I like the opening, that she kept the opening, but I'm dreaming tonight of a fan of the, um, even more than I usually do, whatever that is, that I like that opening and I'm glad she kept it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a great version of the song. I also think she's capable of a great version of the song. And Absolutely. that's why this album is so frustrating because it's just like song after song with like her beautiful voice singing on these shitty tracks, you know? Yeah, like I agree. Ugh. Ugh. But I do actually think that this is one, this is in the top half of the album, though, for me. Hmm. I think this particular song is, like, not great, but is, like, you know, top top half of this 10-song album. I don't um, know if I agree with that, but okay. Well, there's just not a lot of really strong ones here <laughs> to pick from. And then the tracks, speaking of, track seven, Deck the Halls slash Silent Night, I wrote, this is a lot. It is a lot. I well, I admire. Um, <laughs> I admire a mashup. I really do. But I, you know, it, it could have been something that was campy, but it just turned out to again be nonsensical. It's funny, but like, it's like it's glee at its worst. Mm, why do you say glee? Um, because they just loved a mashup. If you watched all six seasons, because I did. <laughs> um. And I didn't, uh, I just, the Silent Night parts were good. The rest I didn't, I could leave. Hmm. There was a lot of fa la la And there was a lot of fa la la um, Track eight, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm, this is my favorite Christmas song. 
Wait, did we already do Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? No, we talked about I'll Be Home for Christmas. That's my other favorite Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> this one's my favorite. I think this, uh, I don't, it's not my favorite track on the album, but it's my favorite Christmas song ever. I think that this one, she like keeps, um, she keeps to a sort of narrative. There are riffs, but it's, but she chooses to do them at the end of phrases instead of like throughout it. Um, I think that there are points where she's like telling the story, giving us a lovely clear belt. Like, I think this is a stronger track for the album. I think it's okay. I'm very picky about my renditions of have yourself a very a merry little Christmas because I'm such a Judy freak. Mm. And Judy, I think has the definitive recording of this song. Mm-hmm. No one else will touch it in part because there's a big sort of like decades long fight over the lyrics. Um, they put in, you know, the original version for Meet Me in St. Louis was sort of this melancholic song uh, where it comes in the movie, the family's about to move away and she's singing about like, have yourself a merry little Christmas. We don't know when we're going to see each other again. Um, One of the uh, lyrics that's frequently changed is... um, um, next year, someday soon, we'll, we all will be together if the fates allow. Until then, we'll just have to muddle through somehow instead of hang a shining star on the highest bow, which Ooh. is like such a fucking different lyric and it a different is. story. Wow. Um, and I think that uh, until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. It's so much stronger. Beautiful. Um, in, in, just in terms of like, it's depressing. Um, um, in hang a shining star on the highest bow doesn't really mean anything. Um, I mean, I love it though that when people People, like get to the belt of the bow though, at the same time <laughs> well but i think yeah so for me this song is like very much a, a different and happy interpretation of the song which is like not its original meaning and not my favorite way that people interpret this song although plenty of people do yeah. um but like at its core i feel like the as a as a writer you know like i do feel like honoring the honoring the original intent the of the song is something that i really respond to because it's so beautiful you know we were just talking about we like a melancholic christmas song and this is the definition when done right yeah. and this song wasn't that and many of the renditions of this song are not that but i like the sad version yeah i prefer the sad version let's and I love the word muddle in a song because you almost never hear it. But I like it. Yeah. Um, is Emmanuel next? Um, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Yes. Mm. A bonkers vocal. My queen is my note. <laughs> it's truly all over the place. I actually love this I love this song. <laughs> Are you also kidding? because it's, it's so such fun. a deep cut and this is also one of the few songs you know um, as both of us are lapsed Catholics you know growing up mm. in the church there's only a few songs on this list that you would actually like sing in mass and like one of them's Oh Holy Night and another one is O Come O Come Emmanuel because it, it, it actually is quite religious Yeah. Um, and I love <laughs> I love her vocal on this she's all over the place and it's amazing yeah and doesn't she I feel like I when I was listening to it it was like a, sort of like a, either a male quartet or something some sort of like a, mm-hmm. a vocal It's boys backing. to many in it's, the background. Yeah, it's boys to many in the Esque, background. Yeah, and it just it gives a nice build to the song. It it gives her a lot to play off of. It's just it's fun, and I was like swaying to it. Um, and I yeah, I think that this is probably for me the most uh, well. Joy to the world is the most fun on the album, but it's the second most fun on the album. Mm. Next up, track ten. Who would imagine a king? Ugh. Well, I, the intro to this sounds like the overture to Once Upon a Mattress. <laughs> and that's like a deep thing for me, but it's weird. A deep thing. Because <laughs> I was in that musical. But um, I also... <laughs> <laughs> to me, it sounds like the overture. But also, I mean, this to me, like, it's storytelling. Like, she's, like, actually, like, sticks to a narrative. And, like, I she could discern from it. She is telling a story. Yeah, I liked it. 
I wrote, she needs better writers for fuck's sake. We're bl- <laughs> we are blessed with this instrument and this is the best she could hire. No way. No way. I mean, like, she, this is, like, something I do think about, like, some of the greatest vocalists of our generation. Like, both her and Christina need better writers. Mm-hmm. They need them yesterday. Uh, they needed them 10 years ago. They mm-hmm. needed them 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or even 30. Like, wow. um, I, I do think, in the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's why, you know, this album is so frustrating for me because it is um, Christmas songs. Whitney loves Jesus. She loves to sing about Jesus. And somehow, like, this doesn't come together despite um, her love for God. Um, yeah. I, so, I, I mean, the thing about it is, is I, I, I don't want to compare artists, but there's just, like, something incredible about what Mariah Carey did with the Christmas album, which was to, like, really, she just, like, she did have, like, I mean, it was released not, I mean, f- f- these are five years apart, these albums. Nine years apart. These Nine albums. years apart. Buck, but they both had sort of a little bit of an R&B influence, but, like, Mariah did, like, uh, just a tinge of R&B and then just really did an incredible, like, sort of gospel vo- vocal to, like, simplistic country- simplistic Christmas songs. And then Whitney just, like, annihilated these songs with these weird b- production elements and, like, an, R- an R&B, like, breakdown of these songs. And I just... I hate it. Well, I think there's also, you know, one thing is that, you know, Whitney and Mariah were compared for all of their careers, or at least the part of the career where um, Mariah was also sort of like on the national stage. And they were at first enemies um, until they actually met each other and they recorded that incredible song for Prince of (laughs) Egypt soundtrack, When You Believe. And they got to be very good friends and then started like spurning all types of comparisons. Like earlier, they would just like feed into this drama between them. And then after they worked together, they were like, no, we're best friends. We get each other. Um, And, you know, I feel like actually when you like, I I don't like to compare them because I feel like they're like two of the brightest stars in our firmament. And like, it doesn't like do us any good to like compare the two like best there ever were at singing. Mm -hmm. But I also think that um, like... It is weird to me, actually, that Mariah's album is so much better than Whitney's album. Just, um, But it also makes sense because Mariah is sort of like a, uh, at least a little bit more well-rounded of a musician in that she writes, she pays attention to the production of her songs, and Whitney sort of very famously did not have a lot of creative control within her career. Right. So it, it does make sense that these albums are as wonky. And also, 2003 was like a really dark time for Whitney, so I get it, um, but I, I do wish this was better. It's still, like, kind of fun to listen to some of them. But, you know, it's not something that I'm going to probably, like, sit down again and listen to after this. I'll probably just put, like, a bunch of the songs on a playlist. Yeah. Joy um, to the World and Emmanuel. Joy to the World is our last track on this album. Mm-hmm. A masterpiece. What do you think? The stamina. The mm. stamina to do this song. I, I, God, incredible. And then... What I like about it is if the whole album sounds like that, sounded like this, and it the whole album did try to sound like this. Like she did, she was giving us this. Her production team was not. Her production team was not, but like it, it did sort of deconstruct a Christmas song, and with this one, because it deconstructed it, and like sort of like it, it, it almost chunked it, and then like did like mm. a beautiful 
um, things to the different chunks of the song. And then because she did that and the way that she did, it strengthened the message. But when she did it with the other songs, it kind of fell flat. But this one, I just, I thought it was, um, I thought it there was such high energy to it. I thought it like, we also got the message of Christmas. Um, (laughs) I loved it. Yeah, I think that this and Mariah's Joy to the World are like two of the greatest Joy to the World recordings that we have. Yeah. Um, It's incredible. Okay, so let's talk about our favorites from the album. You just Mm -hmm. mentioned to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel and Joy to the World. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to that or explain? No, those are the two. Those are the two for me. I think they're... um, I think that... If she was going to do an R&B deconstruction of Christmas songs, then it had to be these. And it, and, and she, it should have that should have been the whole album. But you know what? The Joy to the World is going to be remembered for years and years and years. I love her version, and I, I'm thrilled that we have it. Um, I agree with your top two. I would add a, a third, which I do like the first Noel, and I think that's probably would round out my top three here. Again, this album is not um, super cohesive or great, but like it does have like the highs are so high. Mm-hmm. The, that joy to the world is like so great, so great. Um, so, what do you rate this album out of um, uh, our boxed wine system? So, to review for our listeners, um, the highest rating or, or set of ratings is in the Boda Box range. A mediocre rating would be in the Black Box of Wine range. And sort of the lowest rating is in the Franzia range. What do you think? Uh, it's a low Black Box for me. Um, I'm going to say it is a Black Box Merlot. Do you have any reasoning behind that? Um, it's a black box Merlot because um, every now and again I get a, like a little hankering for a Merlot, but I actively hate Merlot because it's just not a great red wine and mm. it just doesn't have the body that like a Cab Sav does. But like mm. sometimes there's a flavor note in it that really gets me and that flavor note is joy to the world. <laughs> um, for me, this is a black box. Uh, this is... I think this is a black box Chardonnay because it's a wild ride. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, actually, our next segment, we're going to loop right on back um, because we're going to talk about our second album of the episode. Hello, hello. Hi, welcome back. Um, So the next episode that we're talking about... Yeah, let's take a break for our fans. They're tired. Ten lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight swans a swimming, seven maids a milking, six swans a swimming, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Welcome back to our poppin' bottles. <laughs> um, and this is our festive last episode of the decade, of the year of the decade. Um, will you count me in? Um, so we're back to give you our your your holiday gift, which is we are talking about two episodes this podcast. Um, two albums this podcast. Oh my god, what is wrong with me? Now that I can't stop. Since um, our bottom and bottles Cameron was invented. stopped dropping their phone. Um, the next thing, uh, we're, we're going to uh, uh, talk about our second second album of yes. the episode um we also have a, su- <laughs> a surprise <laughs> why is this so funny 
Um, it's just because I can't handle it. So we are going to do a sort of decade in review segment. <laughs> At the end of this episode, and I can't keep it together. Just wait till we get there. But keep listening so you hear our opinions, because that's what you're here for. Um, okay, so why not? <laughs> We're going to talk about the second album um, for this episode. It's Truly, uh, this is rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, okay, so the second ep- album that we're talking about here is by, I think, a podcast fave. Uh, oh, Ariana Grande, it's the first It's the first artist we ever double on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are doing the EP Christmas and Chill. Everyone in this room is crying. <laughs> From laughter. Uh, I hope uh, you're laughing at home. You are. You are. <laughs> if you didn't think you were, now you are. Um, okay, so the first song on this album. Oh, wait, no, we have to talk about. Um, do you know when it was released? 2015. It was 2015. Where were you in 2015? Uh. God. My God, you're weeping. Uh, um, I was a junior in high school. In high school? Wait, what? Yeah, I know. That was four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Such a mess. I love it. Um, I don't know. I think I might have been a junior in college. In 2015? What did I, when did I graduate? I don't know. Okay, I graduated high school in 2013. So you were a sophomore or maybe a junior? I was a sophomore or maybe a junior in college. If I was a sophomore, my sophomore year of college is one of the happiest years of my life. Because oh, that's so nice for you. Yeah, I really partied a lot that year. Oh, that's... Yeah, it was good. Happy. Um, how about you? Um, what I'm saying is, I was blackout drunk on Muscat on Moscato. Oh my God, that sounds like a big hangover. I know. Um, that's that's what I hear when I hear Moscato. I hear a headache. Um, I in 2015. Where was I? Oh gosh, you know, I think at this point. I think I had quit all my office jobs. I feel like we we measure these this past decade in what <laughs> office job I was at. But I had quit all my office jobs and I was working as a nanny. Um and I was in New York. Um Cameron and I were dating. Mm. And that's all I think that's all that was going on in my life. I was probably like doing some theater and um not having very much money. You know the usual. Um <laughs> 2015 was a pretty good year for me though. Uh, it was one of uh, a year that I was like working like full time as a nanny for at least part of the year and, and and I was also working at Blue Man Group in wardrobe and it was like a fun time. It was good. Yeah. Um it didn't seem good at the time, but in retrospect it was good. I remember you telling me about Blue Man Group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um so let's start with the first track, intro. Intro. I love this. I think it's so fun. It's like sort of spooky because um, she has that little like instrument in it where you hit it with like the drumsticks that have the puff at the end of it. Are you talking about a xylophone? Yeah, she has a xylophone in it, but it's all in like minor sort of notes. Um, Can you sing us a little bit of this? No. Okay, I can't either. I did write down the lyrics, don't miss this, rhymed with Christmas. Um... And I wrote down that it was okay, weird, and fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. 
Um, yeah, it's a cute little intro. It's like, don't worry, it's Christmas. You want to listen to me on your speakers. Don't miss this. It's Christmas. Yes, exactly. Um, song number two. This is when we really get into it. Uh, Wit it this Christmas. Wit it this Christmas. Well, I mean, I have a problem with the title. I will say that. Because, like, Wit is, like, her first, like, iteration of Yeah. Which is her just, like, trying to make, like, something work that's not English. And I I don't know that I believe that um, Ariana said wit frequently um, as a version of with. No, she is very appropriative of vernacular, particularly in her songs. Yeah. And this is an era, like, 2014, 2015. Like, this is the era that she really started to lean into that. Yes. Um, when in reality, she's a wealthy white girl from she Florida, you know? the whitest. Um, she's Italian. She's Italian and she's um you know she's very very wealthy um I wrote for this song I am fully losing it they these lyrics there's a section where she's like do you want my milking cookies I was gonna say that do you want to taste my milking cookie what did she I'm say I'm looking it up are you down for some milk and cookies down for love and you'll be my drummer boy <laughs> oh and then she's like I'm the only instrument you'll ever play <laughs> <laughs> it's I think, funny it's I think funny it's funny i think it's i the, the production i think on this one i think this is the best production of of the album i i quite like it yeah i think it's fun i think it's funny i think this is like when we talk about this album there was just a i think a pitchfork uh, uh or maybe it was a vulture article that was released that was a review of this album as like a horny christmas moment yeah um and this uh i think when we think about this album this is sort of like the over-the-top horny christmas song that i think of yeah i mean what do we think about that as far as like a as just a like concept a, a concept like a horny christmas album i think it's funny she i mean every year she loves to like reference Christmas and chill as like a thing that happened in her career um and I just like I'm into like her doing like an overtly sexual Christmas and like I think it's camp oh it's for sure camp and I think it's hilarious yeah I think it's um I would also posit that none of these are really great songs they're mm, all no. they all serve the purpose they're all funny, but none of them are great songs. No, of um, not. But they're also entertaining all the way through. Um, song number three, December. I love this one. This one. I one... love this hook. This hook is hilarious. <laughs> Do you know it? Can no, you sing it? No. Give, what, what's what, which? What are you referencing with the hook here? The main hook where she's like da na 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 na. No? You think I'm going to get it from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I do think that the intro is incredible. Um, and I can't sing it, but I... <laughs> I can say that I it's 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 it goes hard like the bass here is like really strong mm. um you know it's is this the oh, one where Merry she's Christmas, like here I am boy yes I love you gonna give it all I can that's boy. the hook that I Merry like Christmas, here I am boy <laughs> I'm the present and you know it here I am boy yeah okay so the funniest part about this song is she's like whatever's on your list I'll do it I'll do whatever the fuck you want to <laughs> do <laughs> 
I'm totally open. This Christmas, you can do whatever the fuck you want. This, like, I think this is so funny. I What I want to do when I listen to this song is take those little Christmas bows where you just peel off the sticker and it becomes sticky, and I just want to put it on my butt. Mm. And that's how I feel about this song. What I was wondering while I was listening to this album is, like, I think it would actually be horrible to have sex to, but it's clearly, like, what she's, like, the energy that she's putting into the world is, like, this is sexual. Believe me, it's sexual. Sex. Christmas, I promise sex, it's Christmas. sexual. And uh, I don't know if I buy it, but like, well, and she, I do think it would be horrible to ha- actually have sex too. But I it's fun. I want to try it, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> the, report back because I, I think it's going to be a disaster. I would just start laughing. Um, I did write down about this song. Um, <laughs> I did write down about this song. She's a ho, ho, ho for Christmas. <laughs> She loves Christmas. She's like willing to do whatever. Yeah, she does. It's it's the time for festivity. Mm-hmm. Song number four, not just on Christmas. Um, this is a song about loving someone, not just on Christmas. <laughs> Um, Um, I think the best lyric is whether you've been naughty or nice like I'll love you anyways and not just on Christmas wait is that (laughs) is that an actual lyric in the song or did you paraphrase (laughs) who knows (laughs) Um, I wrote down in my notes lilting this is sort of like lullaby-esque lullaby adjacent and it is short it's short. The blessing it, about this album is many of these songs are at, under, or around two minutes. It's a tight 120 seconds. Um, <laughs> but what I do like about it is um, it's got strings and it's got her voice. And I think that Ari <laughs> just loves to like tickle across the strings as she sings. And I like oh, it sure, a lot. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, track five, True Love. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? This one is like the sort of like seven to eight days, twelve days of Christmas thing, Mm. right? Twelve lords of leaping. No, how many lords of leaping are there? Seven lords of leaping. (laughs) Twelve ladies dancing. Ten. Eleven pipers piping. Ten ten. drummers drumming. Nine Nine. ladies dancing. Eight swords of slaying. No, eight swans of swimming. Seven swans of swimming. (laughs) We're going to look this up. We'll get to the bottom of this mystery. Uh, This is another song I used to sing in choir, but we used to sing this like six part version. And my part was like, ah, ah, seven lords are leaping. Ah, (laughs) ah. (laughs) No, on this song, I think I was a soprano too. It was just all over the place. Um, Giving us octave jumps. Yes, you know. (laughs) Um, So uh, this is sort of the 12 days of Christmas song. I the only note I have is great. <laughs> I'm gonna, um, yeah. On this one, I was like, wow, she's really giving us beats again. Yeah, it's something like something something. My true love gave to me, you know. Mm-hmm. We're really tapping it's... into that materialist. Whitney would not be happy. I have to say, I don't think it's one of the stronger ones. No, on absolutely not. I think it could be the worst. Mm-mm. I don't know. Uh, Out of the six, intro. I, I I love intro. I would boot the intro to the ground. Uh, I don't care about the intro. Toot the intro. Toot it. Um, uh, track six, winter, winter things. things. Toot or boot. Um, it's a toot. It's a toot for me. <laughs> this is a song that's got a mostly ukulele background. <laughs> the basic like gist of the song is it's fucking hot out, but I'm doing winter things because my boyfriend's in town. It's a hundred and Fifty degrees outside, our skin is melting off our bones, and we're gonna fucking ice skate, damn it! 
That's that's this, that's my favorite lyric from this song. I wrote what similar notes to you. Not quite as funny, but similar notes. I wrote every theater girl has a thing for a ukulele, which is fucking true. And I'm adding you on that because you love a ukulele. You're welcome. Uh, it's the easiest instrument to play. Yeah, because you a D chord is putting one finger down on it. one. Why, fret. I mean, why don't it's great. It's great. Um, it, and then I just put a song about wanting picks for the gram. Because I think that's what it is. <laughs> I joined you. I dropped a, just one little droplet of red wine on my pink sweater. So we're matching. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Here I am, bud. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Here I am, bud. Um, uh, yeah. Any final thoughts on winter things? Um, it's it's fine. It's fine. I like it. She, I, I think I like it. I don't know. I can't it's really funny say to what me. I like Every about. time I think something is fine, you sort of like it. And every t- time you think something is fine, I sort of like it. Here we are. We're just flipping. balancing. Wow. Um, what's your favorite tracks from this album? Mm, I, you know what? I just, I think that it is going to be with it this Christmas um, and December. I think... For me, December and winter things. I think Wit It This Christmas for me is like truly representative of the energy of this album. But I like winter things. It's a little bit more memorable for me. Yeah. What's your rating? Um, For me, honestly, this this album is not great. I think it's hilarious as a novelty. (laughs) I think it's a wonderful and like good in small doses. So I guess sort of like... um, yeah, it's hard because I don't think that this album is bad. Like, if I was comparing, you know, if I was putting, you know, we just talked about Whitney Houston's album, I do think that the content in this is more interesting. But I don't think that, like, these are songs that I can really, like, remember in, like, in a few months when I when it's been a while since I've listened to this. You know, I haven't ever, like, purposely sat down with this uh, EP and listened to it all the way through with my mind, like, fully devoted to it until today. So, um, but I've heard a lot of these songs before, but I thought that I hadn't. I was like, what is this? And then we would get into it, and I was like, oh, I've heard this, Merry you know? Merry Christmas, here I am, boy. Merry Christmas, here I am, boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me. I want to say, like, because I just gave Whitney a, a black box, like, I want to say it's somewhere in the black box range, because I don't think, I don't, I definitely don't think it's worse than that album, but I do think that it's potentially unmemorable. Yeah. Other than the, like, wild lyrical content. So you're giving it a shard for this? Well, yeah, maybe another shard. I don't know. I'm a little bit torn. Um, I also think maybe it's, maybe it's right to give it a fun flavor. Like, maybe it's a, maybe we go off the charts. And have you ever had these big jugs of, um, or they come in smaller jugs too, but I've never had it in the small jug. The Carlo Rossi sangria. I kind of want to give it a Carlo Rossi (laughs) sangria that comes in a jug. Like, it's fun in a small doses. It's short. It's cute. It's very sweet. And that's all there is to it. Um, I have to say one of the things I really admire about this album is that it is six, arguably five tracks of, uh, original Christmas material. Like we don't get that a lot. I mean, I, Ari was sure. Like, I mean, it's original. Yeah. It's original. And as we've said previously on the pod, typically original Christmas songs don't go well. And she doubled down on five, right. arguably six. 
Who mm-hmm. knows? Um, and so I want to give her credit for that. Do I think any of them are good, like, and, like, that are going to be remembered in the American Christmas song catalog? Absolutely not. Don't, wouldn't it be funny if, like, 20 years from now, it's, it's like, all we hear is wit it this Christmas? <laughs> like, she's just, like, want my milk and cookies, and we're like, you know what, Ari? This aged well. <laughs> this Love. really stood the test of time. Love. I think this album is also going to be one of those, similar to Whitney's, that's going to age poorly. In terms yeah. of the sounds on this album, it's very specific to 2015. But I wanted to dance to it. Oh, sure. I mean, it also, it, but it, it already sounds a little bit dated in 2019, which I feel like is not a good sign. Um, I'm going to give this album a Riesling of no brand or type. Oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> what do you think of Rieslings? You like Moscato? Um, Rieslings, I feel, are unmemorable, but sort of pleasant when they pop up in your life. Love that. Um, so <laughs> up next, uh, we have our special segment. <laughs> Here we go. So, so our decade the in The segment review. you've all been waiting I mean, for. Truly, if Word. you have not held out this long, you're not listening to me speak right now, so fuck you. How many minutes are we at for this one? Are we even at 60? We have time. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, so this is our decade in review segment. Mm -hmm. What we tasked ourselves with doing. And this was a really tall order, which we spent at least 15 minutes doing. (laughs) What the, The question, the challenge really that was put to us is, what are our top five pop albums of the decade? So again, from 2010 to 2019. Um, And we also said it had to be non-men. Yes. Um, no no man here. We didn't want men. No, we didn't want them. We didn't want them. <laughs> um, and well, and frankly, like I don't know if any men would have made it into my top five. I don't care about men. Um, fuck them. So, uh, <laughs> what are your top five, Justin? Let's go. I feel like we should do one. Uh, we should bounce back and forth like a popcorn reading. Let's like, just like oh, name God. one at a time and okay. like, attack each other. Um, so are we ranking these, by the way? Ooh, I don't know if I can rank at, in this date at the, the, this time. I just put five down i could rank them. let's do it let's do a cursory rank okay a cursory rank okay so start with your worst one uh, we can't say worst because they're the well, top, it's top five, five. it's gonna be fantastic bangers by miley cyrus okay why is why did this make this list and why is it in the position it's in i think that this really um one this album more than any of the other albums just um just like really enamored audiences in 2013 i think that like if you were going to talk about artists that were making headlines in 2013 it was 100% without a doubt miley cyrus i mean it was with her vma's performance which i think was rough but i mean it was it was was shocking um and sort of reactionary pop of of its time but also i think wrecking ball was an exceptional ballad really really fun i think a great i think a great video um i also do think um I, I I think that this track or this album is just fucking weird start to finish, but weird in a really incredibly listenable way. Um, I I just want to just name check one track, which is F U. One of them's F and the other one's U. I just, it was so fucking stupid, but such great pop. And I, you know, Miley Cyrus is, uh, I'm enamored by her. I think she's nuts, but I do think that this, this album c- captured a moment. 
Hmm, definitely. I mean, I think it definitely captured a moment. I would really push back on being it, uh, on it being one of the top five non-male pop albums of the decade. But I do think that you're right in that it really was um, indicative of the times and sort of uh, both bef- like I think too. For, for me, that album sort of, like, comes late to the sound that she's creating. Like, other people are doing that sound way before her. Um, but she's sort of, you know, taking it over, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and that sound continues way after this album. So I agree with you that it is sort of, like, one of the sounds of the decade that, like, is essential. Um, I think my... The one that I'm probably going to list... Um, lowest on my list of five is Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. Mm. Um, I think for me, this is, I mean, this is such a strong album. Can you, we have, you know, two full albums from Amy. We have a number of B-sides. We have a number of sort of like, we have that one greatest hits album, but we we really don't have that many tracks from Amy. And sort of, if you look at this track list here, um, almost every, I mean, I think every one of these tracks to me is like such um, such a, a great track, both sort of in the writing and the delivery. Um, so the tracks on this album are Rehab, You Know I'm No Good, Me and Mr. Jones, Just Friends, Back to Black, Love is a Losing Game, Tears Dry on uh. Their Own, Wake Up Alone, Some Unholy War, He Can Only uh. Hold Her for So Long, and Addicted. Like this, this album is like really just like super strong stunning i also think that there's a whole cadre of adjacent albums that we can sort of like put along with it but this is the album that i chose from that sort of moment of like um like 60s influenced british pop i think that we can sort of put adele and duffy in that sort of moment and adele's moment certainly lasted longer and has been more mainstream than amy winehouse's moment yeah um but i think that amy winehouse had more artistry both in her writing and her vocals um so that's my number five album of the decade yeah you can't fucking touch amy is the Mm. thing like i i like i there is not a pop star that can do delivery in a more um, authentic way than fucking Amy Winehouse. It's so interesting because I was looking at all of these top albums of the decade lists in our quick preparation for this list and very few of them actually listed this album and I kind of am wondering why. Like yeah. To me this is such a strong album both both in her like vocals and in her writing, but also in the orchestration of these, like the 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 sort of like brass sound that she had, the trumpets that she had, the backup vocals, like it all really comes together for me. And it also is sort of of a moment. This really, this like sort of like British pop um, moment was like a huge thing throughout this decade. So this is number five for me. Yeah, I, an, an exceptional choice. Thank you okay what's your number four uh melodrama by lord oh i love her yes i I love love this album i love this album too i think that what's funny about this is like do do i think that she changed music with this album not necessarily but do i think that every single track on this album is good absolutely well who knows if she changed music with it i mean like this is kind of only a a, it's it's like a baby album years old now or two i guess maybe like two and a half three something around there um but what i mean we've reviewed this album uh, on the pod but 
what I want to say about it um, as like a, a in a decades in review is that it sort of gives us this like aesthetic of like um, it, it predates like Gen Z pop because I don't I think uh, I think Lord's a late millennial early Gen Z but it's got this like pop light vibe to it it's very ambiance it's got um, some interesting like abstract um, uh, uh, like elements to it in the in the sounds that she incorporates but it's just such an exceptionally listenable song and i think that the poetry like if you look at it um, her lyrics are really quite something i mean her lyrics are so um and they also sort of like match her songs in a way i i love i love this album i think this is a great choice this didn't make my list but just by a hair um i love this album and i love lord and i think that this uh is a great choice yeah, I do. What's and it? I think, too, like this is pop of a moment, you know, like this. This sounds like this era to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but were you going to ask what my number four is? I was. Um, oh, gosh. I think my number four is going to be A Seat at the Table by Solange Knowles. Wow. An exceptional album. So good. And I think for me, this album, too, um, I've been listening. It. I rem- I actually remember the day it came out and texting Cameron and being like, Solange just dropped an album and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the day it came out, I was listening to it and I was like, this is wild. And you know, I've it's one of those albums that I sort of haven't stopped playing since it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like uh, for me... You know, for me, in on my personal list, I don't know about yours. Lemonade's not on my, on my list. To me, like this packs the punch that Lemonade does with like perhaps actually like a little bit more specificity and mm. less sort of generality. Yeah, and like it's really incisive. I think too, like when we talk about it as an album, the interludes that she has where she interviews her family members about like blackness, it's so beautiful. And I also feel like so many of the songs on this album are just like so exceptional both in their like writing their lyrics the way they're arranged the way Solange's voice sits in the mix like she often has just like so many layers of vocals both her own and backup that like this album to me really um really means a lot and it also is sort of like I think one of the albums that we're going to look to as sort of like, what did this decade sound like? Solange is always pushing the envelope, whereas, um, you know, bless her, Miley Cyrus is a few steps behind. Solange yeah. is always a few steps ahead. I just saw that performance she just did on Fallon of her most recent album, which is just like, like it's gorgeous, you know? And it also sounds, it sounds like now and it also sounds like five years from now, you know? Like, it sounds like what people are going to be trying to do in a couple of years in the real mainstream, you know? So this album for me, um, I just love it. I think it's great. I think there's so many great tracks on it. Cranes in the Sky, Mad, uh, Don't Touch My Hair, like so many incredible tracks. I agree with you. I Well, I mean, I think that like Solange, like this album was released in 2016, right? I think so. Um, Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think it was late 2016, possibly early 2017. Yeah, I, th- you know, you're right about the specificity of this album. I think that the where where Beyonce doesn't go, Solange does. Like, mm-hmm. and she really names names, and she, um, I think. She has such an incredible artistic vision. Um, Oh, absolutely. Visually, lyrically, musically, like, she's there. She's there. um, I'm glad that the Knowles sisters are doing what they are. They're doing for music. Well, and they're also sort of, like, two sides of the same coin, too. Like, they're both sort of, like, living in the same sort of, like, content musically, but they sound so different. Yeah. 
Um, so for my number three, are you on number three? three, I think that this is a perfect lead into number three. I am going to name my number three as Lemonade by Beyonce because you can't ignore the impact that this album had. Um, and, and that's, I think probably why I'm putting it at number three because she had already released a surprise album. So the world knew to like, look to, to, um, Beyonce's album releases as like, huge events and the only way she could follow a surprise album release was for her to be like i'm gonna release on hbo this like huge like um network that has like a considerable amount of cultural capital but we're gonna make hbo free this weekend so the whole world can watch me release this album in particular um it was a moment yeah and the visuals um were direct were directed by um, Melina, I don't remember her last name, but she's incredible. Um, yes, yes. It starts with an M as well. Yes. Um, she's got alliteration in her name. Um, and she just, um, directed, uh, an, an, uh, an incredible film as well. But I, I, you know. Melina Matsukas. Yes. Um. I think that the visuals for this album were stunning. Um, and I want to talk specifically about formation because I think formation, which was the, uh, the, um, the single with the video that was released prior to this visual album was stunning. And it was the first time we saw, um, Beyonce being overtly inflammatory towards like mainstream, um, ideals and culture. I think that she really attacked or well, not attacked, but just like advocated for the black, black lives matter movement. And I think did so in a stunning way. Um, and I think that this album while is, is not as specific as Solange will be something that's like truly emblematic of the way in which we, um, in which she like, um, drove culture and drove like the dialogue around like the black lives matter movement. Um, and I just, I think that this, this album was just stunning. And also, I mean, a, a, an incredibly personal narrative too. Mm. I remember watching the like HBO, like visual album with Cameron the night that it came out and just like shrieking so many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she really ats Jay-Z in this. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very clear, um, sort of what she's talking about. There's so many, iconic visuals so many iconic musical moments um yeah you i support beyonce i do i support beyonce um it actually i'm and i love this album i think it's such a moment (laughs) it's such a moment of the of the 20 teens i think it yeah absolutely and it also transcends genre though like i don't know if we can look at this album as like defining any sort of sound there's rap there's r&b there's straight pop there's all kinds of like shades in between like she's really hitting every bracket here i love this album i think it's great it's not on my list but um i i do think um it's it's one of the most important albums of the decade absolutely mm-hmm. um my number three is gonna be emotion by carly ray jepson <laughs> <laughs> we did review this on the pod so you can always listen to that episode um for me this this album is just like so strong and fun and it was released in 2015 i really haven't stopped listening to it um it's it's uh there there's something about it too like as we've talked about on this podcast before and we'll continue to talk about there's something cohesive about it Mm -hmm. um there's uh like an energy to it it's so fun and it's also such like I don't know. I feel like it's sort of like niche queer culture. Like if you don't like emotion, fuck you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that this album 
just captured and encapsulated literally everything we love about pop music it's euphoric it's yeah. like it's happy yeah even when it's sad it's happy even when it's sad it's happy but like but then it be, because it because it was so perfectly produced like mm. it elevated it to just like another level completely yeah. i also think that this is an album in which like every song is a hit the deep cuts are great you know like uh, my favorite song on songs on the album like we're n- none of them were ever released as singles like this song has depth in terms of like number of songs that are perfect on it absolutely um number two what's your number two? Oh, i'm so nervous yeah i think i probably I'm sweating. i maybe should have put lemonade as my number one but i don't know maybe not um a uh, golden hour is my number two okay why golden hour i love golden hour i love casey you know we're gonna talk about golden hour so soon on this podcast we are going to review golden hour um golden hour to me i love it just it it, it just Oh, the, I mean, one, every track is good. Every single track is good. Even fucking Rainbow, which is just such a silly song. I love but, Rainbow. Jingreen. Um, truly, the first time we were listening to this album, I was I was playing it for Cameron because I'm like, this is an album I've grown obsessed with. I think we had been apart for like a week or two, and I was like, I'm obsessed with this album. Let me play it for you. And so we get to the song Rainbow, and we get to that section that Cameron just played, and I was like, and here's where she lists all the colors. Because <laughs> that's just what happens. She just like goes off book and is just like yellow, red, orange, and green, and at least a million others. <laughs> Um, so why uh, do you love this album? I too love it. Well, I mean, I want to address something real quick that I think is Ooh, funny. Address that, something. Um, so in that year, uh, Miley Cyrus, Kesha, and um, and Casey all released a country album, and they all f- the, and and every single album, the finale was called Rainbow. I'm not fucking <gasps> kidding. You're right. It's insane. Oh my god. It's actually insane. But they're all about different things. They're all, but they're all sort of referencing gay rights, which oh, I think is I, gay rights. Gay rights. <laughs> yeah. Um, why I love this album is that um, you, there is going to be like a specific, I think that people are going to reference the fact that like several white artists around 2016, 2017, 2018 all did this sort of like country inflected pop album mm-hmm. um, because including a track that's like implicitly or explicitly supporting queer people. Yes. Um, but but because, the reason why I like this is because the, that trend was reactionary towards the fact that President Trump or that Trump got elected dead um bitch face trump <laughs> yeah bitch face trump and i and it was like a, a grab to sort of like okay like i i see what's happening in the world i want to like i want to react to this i want to um welcome like people who may like consider themselves to be on the right into the conversation i want to talk to them about this i want to release music for everyone that we can all listen to and maybe influence them in some some small way um i think that i think that uh her album did this the best but i also just think that the the lyrics the production the aesthetics are all just like stunning and different this is the most different album of um the decade that like we didn't expect this to be incredible and it was i think this album is also incredible i support it being on your top list it's not on mine but it's definitely an honorable mention so thank you for bringing casey into this Mm mm-hmm Uh, My number two album of the decade is Anti by Rihanna. Yes. Um, We reviewed this. uh, I mean, this my list is just shit we already talked about. (laughs) Well, I mean, just Emotion and Anti actually are the only ones that we've addressed on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Anti for me is such a strong album. You can listen to our episode about it. But um, for me, 
every track on this is strong. We get Rihanna's best vocals. We also get sounds that are um, really, to me, sort of like baseline of this decade. Um, we get uh, a number, a huge sort of number of singles off this album. Um, we get sort of iconic looks and moments from Rihanna. Um, I, I really think there's sort of nothing to not, in my opinion, uh, there's sort of nothing to not like about this album. Like, it goes deep. It also goes surface level. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's also sort of, like, introspective at moments. Like, we get love on the brain. What more do you want? Yes, like, love on the brain. Every fucking moment of this album is gold. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, and what I love, too, about this album is the way it's constructed. Like, the, the starting with consideration with SZA all the way through the ending that fucking Tame Impala cover she does yeah. like every moment of this and, and and now it's been a number of years since it's been released it's another one of these albums that has never been taken off rotation for me yeah. um, it always feels fresh in 2019 it's, to me maybe it's because I never stopped listening to it but it doesn't really feel dated it still feels like it's it's um like moving the needle forward and um, I don't particularly think that potentially like the content is that like I think that we'll see this in both of my top picks in both of my top picks the content is not necessarily pushing the envelope but I do think that like the construction of the album and how it sort of encapsulates the decade and the amount that I enjoy it is very high yeah um I agree with you one of the things that's interesting to me about this album is like as like in the latter half of this decade we moved into like a very like streaming centric culture mm. where we were like you know picking and choosing oh, absolutely. singles there was a title moment with this album too. yeah yeah exactly um but there was like we were picking and choosing singles from artists that we would stream that we would put on playlists that we would add to our library blah 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 and so as like a reactionary movement to that we saw artists that like um that had maybe played into like radio and streaming before like move towards being like album centric artists mm. rihanna being one in particular like mm -hmm. she was the, the queen. only album she fucking gave us this decade that's <laughs> not true but it's close to true it's close to true where's the next album where is it's it it's not coming out we've been duped it won't be until 2023 no, no um at least. <laughs> at least but i think that rihanna was like you know what like i have been the queen of singles but do you want to see me do an exceptional fucking album top to bottom here you fucking go Tip to toe, as I would say. Tip to toe. Uh, anti is incredible. And I, I think that that's one of the reasons why it's significant, but also because it's just got such fucking bravado. Absolutely. So many hits. So many hits. Every so song's hits. a hit. Okay, what's your top al album of the decade? Oh my God. You're going to hate this, but. Um, oh, I am. I already know what it is. It doesn't matter if you love him, but capital well, H-I-M. You're joking me. Wait, actually, I thought it was something different. Wait, this is truly your top album of the decade? Absolutely. Um, Born This Way by Lady Gaga. Oh, wait. Okay, I'm so sorry. I uh, thought you were talking. <laughs> I did not. I was not going to say art. Oh, my God. I actually... Sorry. I have this weird third <laughs> Um, I thought you were gonna say art pop and i was like oh my god but i forgot that born this way is different born this way is different just uh, barely 
here, here's the thing. Okay, you do your Let me spiel, go for a second. Back. No, okay, yeah. I'll I think that go. this go out, the, it. like, it, one of one of the things that we saw in, in this decade was um, music being influenced by, like, 80s anthemic pop. So, sure. like, that, of course, encapsulates sort of a movement. I think it's the best of, of that movement. But what I will say is this, is one of the things that we did really overtly and t- from 2010 to 2020 was create art that um, had a political significance to it um, that championed LGBT rights, that championed rights for people of color. Um, I think that this album really fucking changed things. Oh, I'm going to fight you on that. (laughs) Oh my God. You think this is born this way? Absolutely. Because, yeah, 100%. I just, I'm going to have to say some shit. That's fine. But I think that Lady Gaga... I think really fucking did it. And this is like, this is an icon maker of an album. Um, I love it top to bottom and I love Lady Gaga. Okay. I'm going to step in with my opinions. Yeah. I don't not love Lady Gaga. I would say I do love Lady Gaga, but this was actually what the moment that I started have res- having reservations. And it's literally because of the title track. It was such a huge hit. And like the lyrics are like, really messed up what you what do you you're cameron's agree it's like 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 especially to to like be pointing at this at the flag as the flagship of advancing rights for like people of color and queer people like she really left a lot of people like like there's like i think the lyrics are something like you're you're lebanese you're orient talking about like you're um that's uh, uh, actually i'm not even paraphrasing that that lyric and it, it, she also says something about like um orienter chola mate like so orienter me i'm on the right track baby okay so cameron's pulled up the lyrics <laughs> for me okay oh ah! see you already know these lyrics but this is i mean don't be a drag just be a queen whether you're broke or evergreen you're black white beige chola descent you're lebanese you're orient whether life's disabilities left you outcast bullies or bullied or teased rejoice and love yourself today because baby you were born this way Ah, no matter gay, straight, or bi, lesbian, transgendered life, I'm on the right track, baby. I was born to survive. Like, and then the next lyric we return to the no matter black, white, or beige, chola, chola or orient mate. Like, Lady God, I'm so sorry, Stephanie. Like, bitch, no, absolutely the fuck not. This is what I thought when the song was released in whatever the fuck 2011. When was it released? 2014. I don't care. 2011. Um, it couldn't have been 20. Was it 2011? It was 2011. Say right there. I mean, for me, like these, this, this was the moment when I started to question Lady Gaga on a deep level. The, these lyrics are not, were not okay in 2011. And the internet and, and the discourse was different. Not everyone was, like, I think that this, you know, history sort of will not be on the side of Lady Gaga. But the moment was, this song was played everywhere. Um, but it's, it's like, it's like deeply offensive on so many different levels. Um, I just like, kind of think it's like funny. But I do think that like the, the album um, and the moment for Lady Gaga is really important. And I do think that this song is important to so many people. Um, but I do think that I heard this song and I was like, Orient made? 
Chola descent? Like what? What are? What the fuck are we doing, Stephanie? Um, so that's my res- that's my response, and only just to the song. Like I, frankly, am not. I I, I know the album a little bit, but um, I I remember hearing the song and being like. Bleh. Stephanie, Stephanie, no, please, like, especially because, like, she was positioning in herself in this way of, like, the, like, the lyrics are positive, you can't critique me, and it's like, actually, I have some notes. Um, what's, what are your thoughts? I'm sorry to dig into Lady Gaga this way, but I do have a lot of issues with that fucking song. I, no, I appreciate you pointing out those lyrics, um, 100%. Um, I, yeah, I don't think that those are responsible lyrics. I... It also was a different time. Like, for sure it was a different time. I do think it was a different time. Oh my god, the third track is called Government Hooker? (laughs) I love Government Hooker. It's an incredible song. Oh my Um, god. I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think... Okay, there are some, like, like, I don't think that those are responsible album, lyrics. Like, I I think that Lady Gaga, um, with this track, ultimately meant well. Um, and I, I I agree, but I feel like that's a defense that we hear a lot from people. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. I meant well, it's fine. Like it's fine because I meant well. When it's like it doesn't really matter what your intentions were. It matters how it affects people. Um, and it's like this like rich white lady from New York singing about like Chola or Orient Maid is not really like <laughs> like you, you meant well, but like you also shouldn't know like who's in your neighborhood? Did you not ask anybody? <sighs> did you uh, did you not run this song by anybody? Like who? I'm curious. I'm just like curious who approved. But I do think that there are a number of really great songs on this album. I think it was a really iconic moment for Lady Gaga. I agree. Um, my top album of the teen. <laughs> I don't know. You, you're probably going to have something to say about this, but it's not going to be about her lyrics. Um, it's uh, Four by Beyonce. For me, this album is not necessarily... Uh, like, this is not the top album of the decade by any Have you listened means. to it? Yes. Okay, well, I, I, I think... For me, it's the top album of the decade. What what I think, for me personally... This did nothing! Oh, I'm going to fight you on that. Because, for me, this is an album that I think is really slept on. We, um... We do see it on a lot of top lists, but, you know, we, we do see sort of Beyonce and Lemonade place higher. And what I'm going to say is that musically, this is one of Beyonce's strongest albums. And it really, I do think, defined uh, an era musically. And I think her vocals are amazing. And I think these are the songs. Uh, I think we're going to be listening to a lot of the songs that she put out this decade through the ages, but I think these are the songs that are like going to be what we refer to as the classics. So we, I mean, okay, so I will give this caveat in that I support the re-release of the album that she's done with the reordered songs. So this starts with Love on Top. Like, you're going to start an album with Love on Top? It didn't originally and, start with Well, that. I know, but what, I, what I'm saying is that she recognized that the previous order was not correct, and this is the only version that's available online now, is this order. Starting with Love on Top, going to party, going to school and life, going to countdown, going to I miss you, going to dance for you, going to I care, Mm-mm. rather die young, one plus one, end of time run the world girls best thing i never had start over and i was here this album for me is like really masterful in that it's super cohesive it's uh like the the vocals on this album rival rival anything that's put out within the decade um it's um 
not, I would say, you know, and I said this earlier when we were sort of like ramping up to our recaps, like, I don't think that this is sort of like the most brown gap groundbreaking content of the decade by a mile but I do think this is the content that's gonna stick like this is to me what uh what the decade sounds like is Beyonce at her fucking best I think this is the weakest moment of Beyonce's career Um, I don't think so why do you think it's weak uh well okay so we see her start like hot um with like she's like she starts as a single artist 100% like and like the Crazy in Love album is incredible but from 2003 yeah like when she as she starts her solo career we see her start like as like a single artist who's like releasing stuff that's incredibly catchy that like we love to listen to like check up on it and all of that and then that sort of like culminates in like her like her big like number one single that ruled the charts like which is all the single ladies and then following that she does four i don't believe that any of the songs on four were number ones well I'm... neither were any of the songs on lemonade or beyonce yes but they when didn't she... even break top 10 I absolutely they did not because at that point like when when beyonce released lemonade it was like that that to me was like her being like you know what fuck you I don't, I, and she says it on, on Beyonce, I don't need radio. Like that Beyonce, like when she does that career shift to like self-titled and then Lemonade, she's saying, I actually, I actively don't need radio to be a mainstream success. Here are two incredible albums that say something about the world that I'm living in and like that, like have like political convictions. I think that four is fine i think love on top is an incredible song but that's the only one that i'm gonna like take from this like section like you don't this like album countdown, cycle you don't like run the world you don't like end run of time. the world you is lovely like, but i don't ne- think, the best thing i never had you i don't, don't think like, that these are emblematic of her career like oh, i don't yeah. think that mm. they are like beyonce's catalog i think that i think oh that four was um uh like a fine album and then she got pregnant and then she had ivy and then she came back and like took took the world by storm but i think that four was like like uh the end of a certain uh the end of a certain uh time in her career and self-titled was this incredible reintroducing i don't I don't disagree with that, but, uh, you know, my, my point of view is that musically it's stronger than Beyonce, it's stronger than Lemonade. I think in terms of like what she's dealing with lyrically, um, it's not necessarily, necessarily a political, you know, we have a number of songs on here that actually, when you look at what they're about are super political, but are not part of like, um, I feel like, you know, Beyonce and Lemonade were packaged to capitalize on that where four was not packaged in that in that way necessarily. Um, I think that for, for me, um, for me, yeah, I think it's one of Beyonce's strongest musical albums, certainly her strongest vocal showing of the decade. I do think that she perhaps has more to say on Beyonce and Lemonade. However, um, I think I, I'm, I'm going to just default to... Um, I think that musically this is her strongest album and like for one of our like the the shining stars of the decade to have released like her best uh, musical collection for me um, that's number one like there's so many great songs on this album I love it I do you know it's 2012 haven't stopped listening it to it since 2012 and I don't think it's ever going to leave my rotation that doesn't necessarily mean that I think that 
um, Beyonce and Lemonade are worse. I just don't think that they're musically as strong or cohesive as this album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's take a Hello and welcome back to Art Pop and Bottles. <laughs> um, so we're in our last last segment of the decade. Uh, we're talking about our honorable mentions for our top five pop albums of the decade. I put a number of of albums here on my honorable mentions just because um, five is small. Five had to encompass um, not only like a number of releases, but also a number of years, a number of sounds. So. Um, my honorable mentions, I'll just list them all at once. Okay. Um, uh, and this is in no particular order. I did not order these. But Tell Me You Love Me by Demi Lovato. Mm. This, I think, um, I think is a really strong showing from her. Uh, listen to this episode of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, 21 by Adele is another really strong showing. Um, to me, it's sort of a timeless sound and one that wasn't super indicative of the decade, so I left it off. But we love Adele. We stand Adele. This is, a, this is I think, her best album, 21. Yes. Um, Dirty Computer by Janelle Monáe. I love that album. I do think the mixing on it's weird. The sound levels are very super wildly track to track, but it's an amazing, beautiful album. And one of the first albums that was released sort of like after this current administration taking power that I was like, absolutely, like this is the album we need. Um, Another album uh, in my honorable mentions, Melodrama, which we both spent some time on in your top five. Norman fucking Rockwell by Ugh. Lana Del Rey. Frankly, every Lana Del Rey album. I think my top two are probably Norman fucking Rockwell and Born to Die. Mm-hmm. But I like every album she's put out this decade. Um, and uh, yeah, that I think is... Um, I'll, I'll see if I think of any other ones. But that, that pretty much rounds out my honorable mentions in terms of albums that I was this close to putting on. I, I also think a lot of Ariana Grande's albums. But I think that she's... For me, she's more of a singles queen than an album queen. Like, her albums for me are a little bit scattered. Um, whereas, you know, if we're talking about a single song of hers, you know, hands down, I love her. Yes. What are your honorable mentions? Um, when We All Fall Asleep oh, by Billie Eilish. Oh, love, yes. We I, love Billy. We love Billy. I think that... Let's that, review Billy. That album is going to age wow. Oh, my God. Well, and it is another one of those albums that's sort of forward-sounding, forward-thinking. Like, music is gonna sound like this. Like, the youth have the key. Like yes. she, I mean, and also she's... Uh, as Lord sort of is, and she like a lot of has been written about how they're sort of musically related. But you know, I think the strongest comparison is that they're both like lyric queens, sound queens, vocal yes. queens, control queens. Like both of them can really control their instrument. Anyway, I support that. I yeah, thank um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and I mean, in that same vein, I like I already talked about melodrama, but I also have to talk about pure heroin. I oh, think that fuck, that's such a good album. It disrupted music. It was incredible. Um, I'm gonna say 21 by Adele as well. I mm-hmm. think that 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 album, like you can't talk about this decade without talking about the fact that that album Although just, we just fucking ruled music. <laughs> um, I we both hate her, but at the end of the day, this album had five smash singles, and it, I'm gonna say Teenage, Teenage Dream. Dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know what? I'm gonna back you up on this. We hate Katy Perry as as canon. I think canon. There's sort of like a, at least a low grade dislike for Katy Perry, but this album fucking 
bopped. Yeah, it, it, it bopped. fucking bopped. Teenage Dream is a great song. I a great love song. Teenage Dream. <laughs> I like it when Darren Chris does it a little better. But I, I like still... it. Am I skin tight? Dreams be a teenage dream tonight. Um, tell me you love me. I also want to put because you know, I mean, the two of us are just Demi Stan. Where's Demi Stan? But also, that was an excellent album. Excellent album. And I am going to put. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put Thank You Next on the list because I do think, yes, Ariana Grande is a singles queen, but at the end of the day, Thank You Next did have such a lovely immediate quality to it because mm-hmm. we really got access to um, Ariana Grande's emotional state at that time. And that's something that I think artists are gonna do more of in the age of like immediate social media. They wanna share with us how, how they're feeling. So I think that Thank You Next did that well. I totally agree with that. And I do think that Thank You Next is an album to me that is sort of like very of the moment in terms of its sound, but maybe a couple steps behind. Like, we, like we've heard these sounds before and now Ari's doing them Mm -hmm. um i think that's super always super interesting to hear i mean particularly how white artists like reinterpret popular sounds from uh, like across uh america for their albums um artists of the decade wow we we had given us the ourselves the task of doing an objective and a personal fave uh artist of the decade um, my objective is Beyonce uh, because of the way that she changed music throughout this decade. I, you know, I think again, like we can argue about the musical quality of Beyonce, but we can- like self-titled, but we can't argue about the way in which it changed how music was released. True. Um, and, and then you follow that up with Lemonade, which had such a strong political conviction convictions. Were they specific? No, but were they sweeping and did they influence a generation yes um and then you know what throw four in there she also had a a, like four as an incredible album in this period so at the end of the day she had albums hunty she fucking did um who's your personal fave for the decade it's so fucking hard it's really hard I cannot say Lady Gaga because the fame monster was released before this decade began. Okay. Um, so I, at the end of the day, you know, I just, I loved to bop to her and it's Ariana Grande. Hmm. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Um, yes. What I had written down for my objective favorite was Ariana because she released so many albums this decade. She mm-hmm. truly released, you know, when we're talking about all these other artists. Her catalog. She, she, she really released, uh, for the most part, double what other artists did, if not more than that. Like, she really was at her peak productivity here. Um, personal fave Beyonce. I do think that like she defined this decade. I do think you know she really changed again how how you said how music is released. But I I don't think that she never necessarily had that much sort of like musical influence or like uh, you know influence over how people sounded. I don't really think mm-hmm. that that's her bag right now. Um, I do think that she definitely influenced people. If we're talking about the the decade prior to this, two thousand to two thousand. 2010 she definitely influenced how a lot of those artists sounded but i feel like now her sound isn't necessarily at the forefront of how american music sounds and i don't hate it you know Mm -hmm. i'm on board i'm i'm a member of the beehive i can detail to you all this but when we look at beyonce's breadth as a performer all the things that you were mentioning plus i think like really for me what sort of has been um 
like like mind-blowing from Beyonce particularly over the past decade has been her live concerts Mm -hmm. I've mentioned on this podcast before but her live performance at Glastonbury was what first sort of really sold me on her as an artist of course I was on board before but I saw that and I was like oh this is the entertainer that we should be watching and then the same decade she I, I can't say enough about mm-hmm. her uh, performance at Coachella, her homecoming performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another al- album, actually, that she dropped that we haven't discussed, is the the live homecoming album, which that first one I dropped, I was like, eh, whatever, you know. But it actually is one of the albums that I've listened to more in the past year because of the sort of virtuosity of the arrangements, the yes. way that she curates her own sound, the way that she's sort of putting together this retrospective of her career. Like she, I think is an artist who is really in control of her image. And also, um, at this point in her career, at least like has a lot to say, um, both musically, visually, uh, choreographically, like there's no end to like what Beyonce has her hands in, uh, you know, to, question mark to a fault like she's a virgo she's really like kind of control freaky but um i mean it, it it's working for her i mean this this was this was an incredible decade for her yeah if i can say more which i'm going please to. <laughs> i mean i'm too what, what's a two-hour podcast who cares I'm... our producers hate us <laughs> <laughs> i have two more things to say which is like okay she was famous in the 90s she was famous in the 2000s she was famous in the 2010s she's gonna be famous in the 2020s that is four decades that's mm-hmm. four fucking decades that's insane but then also to like she that uh, makes me sick <laughs> i know but she is a like is she she's one of the artists i know right now to be a legend i know that oh without in, a doubt you know in 50 years she will be, be regarded as as highly as michael jackson if not higher like she, oh higher yeah well i'm not <laughs> uh, higher than michael high like what is what's our big legend that we can i mean she's well i mean she she sort of self-compares to especially to tina turner who i think higher is, higher well, than tina i mean i think that's what we're gonna see happen i think that tina's obviously a legend and an icon but I think that what we see is Beyonce sort of putting out a a breadth of work um, that is political in a way that Tina was not um, is is virtuosic in a way that Tina is um, I think has more versatility potentially than Tina like I love Tina Turner let's do a Tina Tina. Um, but I do think that like Beyonce is really gunning for it and she's really showing out and every um, every time she's shown up this decade and she has at this point in the decade put an embargo on interviews Mm -hmm. Um, she will not conduct a live interview (laughs) do it um, over email with L. Right, right, right. Well, and that wasn't even... It was, like, questions her fans asked, which, yeah. like, nobody's gonna ask you a hard question no. that's your fan, Beyonce. Like, what... Um, but you know we don't care it's still a great interview she, I read the whole thing I read the whole thing too she loves the like she's like one of those you know aunties who loves an emoji you know <laughs> 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 truly you couldn't see but Justin just did prayer hands um, um, can we just uh, I j- bow down bow down absolutely any last things you want to say about this decade in pop music before we move on Beyonce 
Um, I think that we were really blessed this decade. This this decade was rich. It was really hard to choose five albums. It was really hard to even narrow it down to honorable mentions and artists of the decade. Yeah. I think there's, you know, 20 to 80 people we didn't mention who are iconic. Right. Um, this is just our particular point of view, um, which is the right point of view, depending on if you like... Um, to argue or not where but. do we put selena gomez you know you know where do we put her is because she me, made so many headlines this this decade but she was not she's not i think a legend no well okay she can't sing she can't dance she can't really act looks stunning is seems to be just such a lovely and nice person very likable has put out a number of hits because unlike christina and whitney she knows how to buy a writer mm-hmm. um you know like i think that she is sort of middle of the road for this decade she is sort of if you listen to all of her songs she's very indicative of like where we were a couple steps behind in each of her stages of music yeah and i think that all of her music sounds like the 20 teens that was released in the 20 teens but I uh, for me she's never leading the pack mm-hmm. um, she's sort of following the pack and uh, she's um, you know always uh, you know and I love her but she's not she's not a leader of the decade for me what yeah. do you think no I agree I think she's a sort of enigmatic artist that somehow is like, she enigmatic in that she like just like sort of commanded fame but no mm. one really knows why like Wizards she's of Waverly Barney. Place she was on yeah. her best work of the decade I like her meme I like that meme of her where she's like almost crying but she's just like smiling through her <laughs> tears <laughs> um, she's a meme queen yeah. All right. Any last things to say about this decade in pop music? I think it was an incredible decade for female pop stars. Um, mm-hmm. I really think we got some like some great work. I really think we saw like contrary to the to the belief of whoever runs the Grammys. Like I think that it, this was a decade about women. Yeah. It started with women and ended with women. There was this weird moment in twenty from twenty like I don't know seventeen to twenty eighteen that there was a lot of male artists dominating the charts. But beyond. That, like this was a female centric decade decade and thank god yeah. someone that we didn't get a chance to mention but i wanted to throw out there as a sound of the decade is robin mm. i think she mm-hmm. really was a sound of the decade and mainly for me like i do think both of her um albums that she released this decade body talk and honey were very strong but i do think that she was sort of um propelled to extra fame by girls and by sort of the culture around that and i do think that um like like her her singles are super strong and 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 so are her albums but i for me they didn't quite make it yeah what do you think about pink just for fun <laughs> i don't like pink i love i love her as a person i love her vocals i love her theatrics when she performs but for me like like there's every pink song i'm like ugh yeah. Sorry. I just, every pink, time a pink song comes on, I'm like, just give me a reason. Just it's tell me. Yeah. What, what do you think? I don't know. She's just, like, people are keep trying to frame her as this, like, superstar, and I can't fucking deal with it. I that. think she is a superstar. I just think her music is not good or to my taste. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Great. Okay, let's move right along. We're going to mm. move into our last thank you section of the decade. So we want to thank our executive producers, Aaron Burnett and Cameron Toy. Thank you guys for truly steering us in the right direction always. Always. We were trying to carol at the end of this uh, episode. episode. And they said no. They were like, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we also want to thank our graphics designer, Jeremy Smith. Thank you, Jeremy. I love you. Oh my God, I'm going to vomit. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move into our last section. Let me pull up some lyrics here. Um, we're just moving right into our last section. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, we'll come back and talk to you at the end, but, you know, do all the things. Like us, rate us, comment, subscribe. subscribe. Um, follow us on all the social I think we're going to be icons in... Uh, well, uh, yeah, the, 20, the 20s are our decade. The 20s are I mean, our you decade. You know what? It's so weird when growing up, I kind of thought the 20s were not that long ago, and now it's like, it was a... hundred years mil- ago. Uh, not a millennia. A century ago. It was a century ago. It was a century ago. It was a century ago. Um, Should we just bring drop waist back? No, that's a horrible trend.
won't be here next year. Ooh. Oh, I mean, we tried. We tried. We tried. Um, anyway, like, rate, comment, subscribe. You know this shit. Art, Pop, um, and Bottles, the podcast of the decade. <laughs> truly. The, the podcast with the most chaotic end of the decade. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Will you count me out? Five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree.